Hey, this is Kat, the lead boss with the Revenue Accelerator podcast, and I have today Megan Conter. Now, here's the thing about Megan. Um, yeah, a lot of times I start this podcast off with people are amazing because I really don't try to bring shitty people to you guys, but Megan actually does still fall into that amazing category. So Megan, tell us a little bit about us. They'll tell, tell we about you and tell why me. people should care. <laughs> tell we about thou. <laughs> that's, that's just, that needs to happen. <laughs> it just did. We're going to have a little bit too much fun on this. And I'm glad that you started off the podcast swearing because that means that I can too. Holla, hallelujah. <laughs> okay. So let's see. I, I'm a connector first. And what's interesting about that is that I was a marketing coach and consultant for many years. That's what I did from 2009 up until I formally closed the doors, so to speak. Actually, not formally because you can't really close a, an online door, but I guess you can. Um, yeah, exactly. Just zoom call out the window kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Push it out. Who knows? But in 2019 was when I was when I closed that business. So I was always in marketing and I love that still. I love, you know, the work that you get to do too, where we dive into clients businesses deep and we get to extract and play Tetris with it. And I still love that work. All the while, I know what my zone of genius is, and that's connecting people. And people in general are my zone of genius. And I'm really good at remembering people, connecting the right people based on intuition, based on strategy, all those things. So I remember years ago saying to myself, you know, while I was reading The Big Leap, like, how could I get paid for doing the thing that I am so good at and is so easy for me? And I remember seeing this woman in Denver who started charging for making connections for people. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of there. It's like kind of, you know, I could see that, but that's not what I really want to do. So when I actually started the dames, that wasn't my original impetus to start it. But it's like, as soon as I did, and I started really being able to activate my strength and my genius zone in it. That's when it was like, aha, this is why the universe led me to this point at this time to do this. You know, it's really interesting because it really is about, you know, a lot of people always very focused on the, the opportunity, right? Big T H E kind of thing. My philosophy, which is probably not at all unique is that opportunities are constantly presenting themselves it's whether or not we're attuned to being able to see them is the difference. And so I really like and appreciate how you shared, how you saw the different things and you kind of put them all together to create something really kind of unique because I mean, not that I'm like super aged, but I've been around, I've seen some things, I've been in some different groups and you actually lead a very unique organization company, if you will. Can you tell us a little bit more about like, how you took what you learned in terms of leveraging your strengths and really building not just a business, but a successful business. So a lot of it was a lot of, you know, fuck ups. I faltered a lot when I was running my marketing business. I was trying to follow other people's formulas. I was trying to grow and scale my business as a coach by, you know, duplicating myself and creating all the systems and processes so I could do so. And I kept feeling all the while, just like this, I remember years of all the healing work that I did where I was constantly emptying out my backpack full of rocks, just metaphorically putting them back in. (laughs) And then, and then, yeah, no, I'd, I'd put them back in somehow and I'd go back again. I'm like, damn it. I have to empty this backpack again. 
So just that was this pattern that I had for years of like, well, I can get there. I can do this. And then honestly, what happened was I was leading other people's networking groups and leads groups. And I found myself always adding my own flair to it and getting really, really tired of the constant business card stabbing at most networking events and that feeling of being hunted and, you know, being the hunter and the prey that all the other groups that I witnessed really have. And quite honestly, um, I got to the point where I was growing my six figure business and wanted to have seven figure mentors and other six figure peers. And I found that I had to hunt really, like I had to really go through that jungle and to try to find those other women who are at a similar stage of business as me. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted to become an expert skier. And that in order to do that, you can't ski on the bunny slopes. So because there was nothing here in Denver for this, this niche of women running the six and low seven figure businesses, I started what was Denver Dames back then. Hmm. And I knew how to run a business, right? I knew how to start a business. I worked with clients for years on how to create a really solid foundation so that you have something that's marketable. So I knew I needed to have a very specific target audience. I needed to have a brand that was going to be differentiated and I needed to have unique selling propositions. So from the very beginning, we had a reverse mullet approach to our events where we have comedy in the front and we've got the seriousness, the business in the back. And it really just disarms people, you know, women coming in, if you've been in corporate in the past, or if you've been in, you know, even if you haven't been an entrepreneur for that long, or you have sometimes collaboration isn't natural to you. You, you Mm -hmm. come out of the womb as this competitive woman, just raised by a culture of men and the the patriarch. Mm -hmm. And we come into this place of like needing to be combative and competent, competitive. Yes. Competitive. And <laughs> I like to make up words and- well, I, right there. I knew what you were talking about. You're, same dictionary. You're good. You know, it's just fun. So that's where I came from was this space of like, I know that there are so many women out there who are used to this knock down, drag out, claw at each other to get to the top of the ladder. And I don't want that. I yeah. want to get that away and move it away. And so, yeah, Denver Dames was just the place to start it and to incubate that thought. And it's it just kept getting easier and easier and fun and love being at the forefront as my values were always the guiding lights. And I just found myself in 2017, like, wow, this has been really successful and really easy. Why don't I make this its own business? Mm. Why don't I create an online platform so that I can have members from all over the world and it doesn't just have to be a Denver thing. And so really um, that's what we built in the background in 17 so that in 18, we could launch with the Dames as an international organization, bringing women running six and seven figure businesses and women in director VP positions together so that we can laugh, learn and grow. And that's, you know, it, it took on its own life at that point. Well, and the, the, the thing here, and which I love, which is really just a bob, isn't it? Like, you know, business in the back and the that's, long, and yeah, yeah, right yeah, this is happening. Sure. So yeah. like, <laughs> But I like saying reverse mullet because yeah, like, but that totally is better imagery. But I'm thinking, you know, anyway, um, sidebar. So, but the, the what you were talking about in terms of you know this competitiveness. So a lot of that is rooted in the corporate. So a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, I don't have the exact statistics, but I feel like come more from this corporate background, right? Where they're kind of going up the ladder, realizing this is also my story, that this is not what they want to be doing. The impact isn't there. They really want to drive their own, you know, fate and, you know, be able to drive that wealth and that freedom of time, um, which is what we're all trying to do. And so part of what you've put together is a way to hit the fast forward button. 
um, because as part of our own experiences, we know that sometimes to get access to the level of people that we want to be thinking with, right. Mm -hmm. That we actually want to get advice from, because, you know, we've all been part of those programs where the blind are leading the blind and it's a great community, but no one's really doing anything to move their business forward. And then at the same time, you don't want to be part of five different $50,000 masterminds. Um, so what you've created is this amazing community of driven women who are looking to push people forward, but also pull people up. Um, and like wherever you fall, there's an ability for you to do one, or if not both of those things. Totally. Now, I know one of the biggest values that you have, and you talked about it in terms of putting the laughter in the front, um, and the humor and the engagement, why is that so important to you? And, and kind of what is the impact of having that value in business, not just for yourself, but as part of the community that you're building and those people's businesses? I really think that something that is, has been missing in business is creativity. And creativity is a very feminine element. Mm. And women have been Yes, also coming from corporate, but also coming from the patriarchy. And so we have had models for centuries that are very male dominant, um, male energy to follow. And that's what a lot of the business books are. That's what a lot of the other networking structures are. It's or paint, a lot of the, like yes, or paint <laughs> warrior, put on more war garb because I'm such a warrior. I know exactly more what rocks I'm in about. the bag. Yeah. Yeah. Throw more rocks in the bag, precisely. <laughs> And charge through it. You know, you got to have the grit. You got to have the hustle, hustle. You got to grind through it. You got to, and all that stuff just made me, honestly, I cry. It made me cry. I'm just going to be honest. I used to cry a lot. Uh, I have grown up a lot because I've figured out how to have my creativity and my feminine energy come forward instead of trying to have the masculine energy lead the show, which is what a lot of women think that they have to do. So creativity can be stifled. It's stifled a lot. It's especially stifled a lot in business. And laughter is one of those things that's sort of like the, I'm envisioning like a, you know, a bottle with the cork in it. Like creativity is corked by laughter. And if you can actually laugh and let that cork out, Mm. the creativity can come out Mm. and women can actually be themselves and they can connect more authentically with their peers. So it disarms and it also uncorks that creativity and allows it to flow, allows us to have that feminine energy come out and actually connect with other women the way women do, not the way men do. Yes. Well, and the, you hit on something really important, which, you know, I, yes, it's kind of a universal trigger almost, which is interesting why it still continues to be one. But this thing of being yourself, which is stifled to use your word by society, right. In terms of, from the beginning, in terms of our educational system, and this is pretty European American all, all across the world in terms of conformity, right? Like you need to conform and you need to be a square peg that fills in a square hole or a round peg in a round hole. And you are going to be sanded until you fit in. Um, and that means that your too muchness or your not enoughness needs to, you know, kind of starts being your comfort toys. You need Um, to compartmentalize that and not let it come out. I have heard that so many times in corporate of like, you have your business life, you have your professional life and you have your personal life. Yep. It's amazing that the people who say that in corporate, the leaders are often the ones that they don't use, like this most successful people are not the ones who do that. Yeah, it is something that continues to be passed on as these one. I remember all the time, improve your weaknesses, right? Yeah. Like that's a great way to atrophy your strengths. 
My favorite from my boss back in the day, my last job was schedule time for your creativity. You don't get to just be creative whenever you want to. What the hell? So yes, there was a lot of that that I experienced going from corporate into into being an entrepreneur that I felt like I was this bifurcated person walking around with my professionalism over here, my personal life over here. And therefore I just felt fucked up 24 seven because I had all these things going on in me but I couldn't bring that to my life. Couldn't be you. You just no, not at all. And so that gets pushed down. And so there's always this questioning of who you are. Yep. So, you know, you talk about the, the dames is this community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously brilliant branding, fantastic, you know, um, uh, capabilities in terms of differentiating yourself in the marketplace. But one of the things that you talk about is fearless collaboration. Now I've heard of collaboration. I've heard of being fearless, but what is this combo that you've created as part of the culture um, within the Dames? It definitely was born from that same thing we were just talking about coming from corporate, coming into this space of actually what happened when I became an entrepreneur, it was like my heart cracked open and I was like, hallelujah, I'm free at last. You know, I found my people and I just felt this space and I became really emotional at that point. Right. So like I went to the polar opposite of being this closed off, like, you know, stick up my ass person because I had to be to this wide open, like crying entrepreneur who was just so thrilled that I'd finally found my people. And But at the same time, I wasn't strategic about anything. I didn't really get anywhere with it. My problem with networking was that I was just treating it as this big, well, first of all, a big dating pool because I was single at the time, but that's another story for another day. Two birds, one stone. (laughs) Exactly. Two birds, one stone. But I was also treating it. I was, it was the place where I was finding my friends and it was the place where I was accumulating business cards and just forming all these relationships. And I wasn't being strategic about what I was going to actually do with all these people that I knew. And so that was a big, you know, Achilles heel that I had. And so when I, before I started the dames, I actually like to say that I entered into my own networking witness protection program for about 18 months to revamp what networking would look like and take it from this place of old networking, which was all that crap we talked about at the beginning, the business card stabbing, the low vibrating energy of people just trying to hunt for end clients. And I knew that I wanted to transform that into being something more strategic and something more fulfilling in terms of long-term relationships. Mm -hmm. So I had learned from a mastermind. I was part of this concept that was, you know, it wasn't power partners, but I put my own secret sauce on it and my own spin and my own marketing and branding know-how. And I created the, you know, the power partner theory and the way of doing things. Right. And I started forming those power partner relationships at the time with my own network by asking my centers of influence, you know, who do you know that already works with my target client in a non-competing way? Or who do you know that is knows the decision makers and the types of companies that I want to meet. And how can I, how can I get to know you? How can I serve you? Who, who is it that you need to know? And really just started serving my market and making connections everywhere. So I came into it by myself, you know, doing all the trial and error and figuring it out before I came to the dames and said, all right, this thing works. Here's what it is. I'm going to teach you guys how to do it. And this is how we're going to go forward with this idea that We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be like closed kimonoed. We don't have to be closed shirted because we're afraid that everyone's going to steal our stuff. We're going to come in instead in this totally abundant, 
wide open stance of everyone in here is here for the goodness of all. Mm. And we're here to help one another. And so if I know who I am, because I've taken the time to become more self-aware, I've done the work on myself. The best dames are those who are really self-aware and have done a lot of self-growth work. Um, coming in with this idea of, yes, there is abundance everywhere. And man, there's more than enough business to go around for you and me. And I'm a marketer, but so are 25,000 of you. So how can we all collaborate and how can we get to know each other? So it's a, a conglomeration of all of those factors that came together of saying, if we're going to do this, we're going to really do it. We're going to figure out how to collaborate, how to, how to mastermind with one another, how to refer business to one another how to create products and services together. And we're going to do it in a way that's totally fearless and badass and fun. And that's what fearless collaboration is. It's, I mean, beautiful, right? Uh, in terms of having the integrity. I mean, I know one of the things that, that happens that can happen because there's always that potential bad apple, right? Of as much, and we've all had that happen where we've, we've taken on a client and they didn't necessarily disclose all the things. And so then things started happening. So one of the things that I love about kind of the overall process is because there's so much giving and full disclosure, I'm a dame. Um, <laughs> like um, what happens is, is that even if they're takers, because everyone's giving, they end up weeding themselves out because you can only take so much just, a, and before the system spits you out, right. I mean, it's just, Universe. And it's not, it's not a, there's a door, but you almost remove yourself because there's not an energetic fit, if you will, um, yep. because you can just feel that kind of that, that synergy or whether it's there or not. Um, so you said a couple of things at the beginning and then you repeated it here and I wanted to kind of touch base on it and get your, your, um, expert opinion on it. So yep. I know that there are people out there who are like, yeah, but networking right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just this thing and it's so many things and there's a bunch of shitty people and there's always like that guy, like, you know, salesy Steve and pitchy Pete. I'm um, sorry. It's all male ones. Um, so <laughs> like, you know, come into your mind, right? Like, I mean, that's my pitchy Pete's the guy that I find on LinkedIn all the time. Um, right. so like, how do, how do you prevent having that stack of business cards on your desk? Right. That, I mean, kind of great thing about COVID is that's not happening so much anymore, but yeah. like, you know, you got these stack of business cards or you go to these networking events and you're not feeling energetically like, and you do it cause you have to kind of in a right. way, or then you don't do it at all. So I know that Dames solves that, but if we look at it from a wider lens, like how do you actually network effectively because yeah. there is an intention of growing your business and right. that intention, but also from this place of service first. Yeah. So what's required is unraveling the previous beliefs to allow yourself to have a new set of beliefs. Mm. So the, the old networking would tell us that we go to a networking event to try to find clients. Yeah. So we yeah. go there with that intention. We're looking for Sally and we're going to just sift through Barbara and Joe and Samantha until we find Sally. And that gets exhausting because usually we have to sift through about 50 more people to try to find Sally. And meanwhile, everyone just feels like a transaction and that they're being business cards stabbed all the way along because it's <laughs> like, okay, you're not Sally. I'm going to move on to the next person. Here's my business card. Okay. You're not Sally. Here's another stab. So move that over to this new way of thinking about things. And it requires the self-awareness of the business owner of the professional, depending upon if you're a leader in corporate or if you're a business owner, it requires a self-awareness and an understanding of who your target audience is or who the key people are that you need to do business with, right? And 
It requires a deep understanding of that and an ability to express that outwardly in a way that other people can say, oh, I know that person or those people. And then from that point, once you understand who that target audience is, you can now look at the circle of influence around that target audience and say, okay, who else works with those people already? And so we can, you know, without getting into details of that, just thinking of it as that circle of influence around your target audience and saying, drawing the lines, right? If you're thinking of a mind map, draw the lines between the bubbles. And if you walk into a room instead and you say, hey, Barb, this is a great event. Where are all of the mortgage brokers in this room? I need to talk to them because those are your potential power partners. And you go up to all of the mortgage brokers and you say, Hey, I'm so-and-so, this is my story. Tell me your story. And you see if there is a resonance between you two. And if you're going to actually be able to build a long-term relationship or not from that point, if you determine that you can, you build a long-term relationship with those various mortgage brokers. And so when those mortgage brokers are out doing their mortgage brokering, could I have chosen a longer name of a profession for this example? <laughs> when they're doing out, going out doing their job and they run across somebody who needs a personal organizer because they're moving into their new house or they're leaving their old neighborhood and moving into a new one, you're the first person at the top of their minds when they're able to refer you. So it's a new concept of really thinking about it as, okay, I'm going to go out and make these power partner relationships. I'm going to kiss some frogs to meet the princes. That's the same way as it goes in any relationship. We don't get along with everyone on the planet. Even I don't, even though I love people. What? I know. Shocking, right? (laughs) There are some people that still rub me the wrong way um, or I rub them, whatever you want. (laughs) Whichever way it goes. Someone's getting robbed in the wrong way. So (laughs) exactly right. So it's really about thinking about these as a long-term relationship. It's kind of like the transition that happened for people in marketing about Mm. 10 years ago when we went from these short-term games of ads as the only way of pushing your message out there to this long-term game of social media and relationship building Mm. and, you know, having great content that's constantly out there. You don't usually get a client after one point of contact. But when you have a power partner out there selling you before you even get into the sales conversation, trust me when I say they're 80% or more sold by the time you get in front of them, because your power partner has been advocating for you. And they've been telling you why you have to work with this person. And you walk in and you say, here's who who I am. And they say, hi, can I sign on the dotted line, please? Right. So referrals are one of the most powerful kind of business transactions. If I mean, it's the, the selling's been almost done for you, especially when that person shows up for that sales call. And if you've done your job uh, correctly, um, as the referral partner, you've informed that person with all of the key information to help make the sale for you. So there's something you've been talking about, um, which is, you know, because I'm all about it too. It's valuing the relationship over the transaction, but just like any relationship, it takes nurturing. Yes. There's that follow-up piece. What have you seen be the most effective ways to follow up and what are strategies that you're seeing working now um, that may always work or something that's kind of newer that you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. Being upfront is key. Mm -hmm. And then having a strategy to follow and then having your own measuring and monitoring. Mm. So being upfront, what I mean by that is anytime you're entering into a potential power partnership relationship, you explain what that is mm. because this is new. And unless 
bang my dog. Happens. <laughs> unless, you're, unless you've been part of the dames or part of uh, some organization that believes in power partnerships, this can be new to a lot of people. So mm. you need to explain right up front what it is that you're doing. Hey, I'm entering into this relationship because I foresee that based on who our target audiences are, or based on what our mutual goals are in our careers, we can influence one another by being able to cross-refer business to one another, cross-promote one another, mastermind with each other through our business challenges, or become business besties that connect each other with everything that we need to know in life. So that, you know, those are sort of some of the outcomes that can happen from these power partnerships. So if you're out front right away, upfront with exactly what it is that you're looking for to build in this relationship, that can really help. Mm-hmm. The second is being strategic. If you're super clear as to a few different categories, of they agree, the they agree. Power partners. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, if you can be clear on those few categories of power partners, mm-hmm. then the other person on the receiving end, if you're asking a center of influence who to connect with, they can say, okay, I know, you know, three business bankers to connect you with, or mm-hmm. I know three men who are, you know, in their forties and fifties and work for financial institutions that I can connect you to. So that strategic, that strategic approach of here's exactly who I need to know, because I've done the work to figure it out, mm-hmm. makes it so that people can actually connect you. The second part of strategy is understanding and knowing what it is that you want from your target audience. I'm sorry, what you want from your power partners. Yeah. So giving them a clear understanding of this month, what I need your help with is I'm launching my new, um, you know, e-course on how to basket weave and, um, make feathers. Cause you make feathers. <laughs> Well, actually, probably there's some capacity to make feathers. I had to give you a hard time. (laughs) I love that because the things that my brain thinks of sometimes I'm like, really? Did that just happen or was that an alternative reality? No, it's in this one. How about this niche? My (laughs) mug that my friend gave me that says, I just freaking love whales. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a niche, like making these. That's pretty damn specific with a specific product that gets purchased and not for a low dollar amount. And it's only for us that are whale enthusiasts. So anyways, being specific about what it is that you want from your power partners and being clear on that and communicating it to your power partners, typically in the form of an email or some kind of easy communication that you can send to all of them at once, but then having, you know, a system of measuring and monitoring is the last. So understanding who your A's, B's and C's are, uh, just as it should be with your prospects your, your power partners are going to be A's, B's, and C's, and you're going to have a different system for follow-up, um, a different level of person, uh, one-on-one interaction, let's say. Um, you're going to have a different system for each one of those categories, and you're going to measure, just like any other marketing tactic, what's working and what's not, and where you need to put more time and where you need to put less. It's only good, and it's only going to work if you can actually measure these things. Uh, yes, um, so, you know, you're saying the thing, which is, you know, it just like when you're going and trying to find clients, because we do, we, we go out and we network, we connect and all that stuff. It's the same thing. It's the same process. You're going to go out and create a connection. You're going to build a relationship. You're going to follow up. You're going to qualify and determine whether this is a really good strategic partner or whether this is someone you just kind of want to keep in touch with. And maybe they could become one or maybe not. That's that A, B, and C level. And yep. different people are going to get different levels of your attention. So your A totally. strategic clients, you should be talking to probably at least or 
strategic clients kind of combined strategic partners (laughs) um you're going to talk to once a month right like get on the phone actually build you know open the zoom maybe your c's might get an email or something like that and once a quarter you might reach out with a message whatever that is of looking at what is the systematic way because really the power is with yourself it's Mm -hmm. not this i'm going to meet someone and i'm just going to tell you who my ideal client is and then someday you're going to refer me someone like you are not not you, Megan, but you yourself are not at someone's top of mind unless you keep yourself top of mind. Precisely. And that's the key. It's the, it's consistency, it's frequency, it's making sure that your A's especially know what's going on. That's important to them. Recognizing that we're all super busy and that we're not all going to be thinking about each other all the time. So if you put all that responsibility on your power partner to remember you, shame on you. That's your own problem if you're getting forgotten. And you got to think of ways to help them feel special and to help yourself be top of mind for them. And that all comes from being valuable, right? It's the the move into the conversation about having your clients. And if you provide them with crappy service or you don't provide them with value in the things that you're doing, they're not going to stay with you very long. Same thing in power partner relationships, same thing in a marriage, same thing with your kids. They're just going to leave and say, mom, you're not making my favorite sandwiches anymore. I'm out. Or not that eventually, but (laughs) not, not right away, right away. Like, uh, yeah, there's about 18 ish years, whatever, maybe more, um, you know, (laughs) but it's really looking at like all of these categories. And this is kind of already answering the next question I was going to ask. And you're going to say, yeah, we just answered it, which is if you're someone who is trying to do the networking thing and you're trying to build strategic partners and you're not getting referrals, where would you, let's say it, place the blame? Is it that the person doesn't know how to communicate what they're doing? Is it, I'm not going to answer the question. (laughs) Is it all of those things? Yes. Um, It's one of 57 different factors, but let's just maybe highlight on three. Yeah. You're not being clear as to who you are, what you do best, how you're differentiated. You're not being clear to your power partners on what are those phrases or those pain points that you're listening for Mm -hmm. that would help your, your people help you as a power partner determine do, does your client or does your friend or does your whomever need to hire cat? Mm -hmm. Just as an example, if you don't arm your power partners with the right arsenal, (laughs) the right information, then they're not going to be able to know who to send to you. So part of the process that, you know, I didn't go into micro detail, but part of the process that we teach in the dames is really having a formula for your meetings with your power partners so that you cover everything and making sure that it's all tracked in the CRM Mm -hmm. and that you're aware of that. And you remember that information. It's key. Um, Another thing could be your personality. Like maybe you're just not a very welcoming person and you're not doing much for other people. Just saying, like, if you're not putting the energy out there and helping others get connected to what they need and making connections to clients for your power partners, how do you expect to have it be reciprocated? Yep. Just saying. Um, let's see, what other factors could there be, Kat? Um, I mean, making the effort to reach out and, and reconnect, keeping top so, of mind. Yeah. Another thing is actually asking for referrals. Yeah. So a lot of women falter in that point, right? I did this myself. I got about... I think it was about 2017 and I, yes, it was 2017. So I'd been doing this thing for a couple of years and I was mostly still running my marketing business. Um, I think I went in 2017 from something like 60% of my business coming from my power partner network to 95% Mm. because I tweaked this one thing. 
I realized in 2017 that I hadn't been asking for referrals and I was helping the heck out of other people and constantly making connections for them and making, you know, making, I was even freaking introducing people to get married to each other for God's sakes. I got friends who are married from that year. (laughs) I was doing all of this serving of other people. And then I found myself looking at my pipeline, like what the hell happened here? And I reverse engineered and said, oh crap, I never asked for referrals. So making sure that you are taking time in your every six week Mm. meetings, in your group. I, I love doing group power partner meetings where you're setting aside time intentionally for asking for referrals. And there are many different great ways to do that, that you can learn once you're part of the dames, but asking for those referrals in a strategic way that helps that other person prime the pump of their brain to say, Ooh, I hadn't thought of that person for you, but now I do. And now I'm going to send them your way. Asking for those referrals in creative ways and strategic ways and making time for that and not letting it slip. I love that. And, And you talked a little bit about that of saying something, something this month. And so looking at, you know, cause it's not always saying I'm looking for, you know, uh, uh, a white male who's 52, who's married with three kids who lives in, you know, this specific zip code. And then saying that every single month as being your ideal target client. Right. right. Um, it's about diversifying how you ask for it because you may be using a single strategy, but unless you look at the different ways of asking the same question, you might be leaving a lot of opportunity on the table because you're not changing the perspective or you're not allowing people to think about it in a different way. Um, I remember there was a a group that I was a part of and it was a, you know, one of the stories they shared was there was a, a roofer and, you know, I fix roofs. Do you know someone who has a roof? No, I don't know anybody who has a roof. I do, but I don't know anybody. I'm a roofer and I specifically work with new married couples who are millennials who just bought their first home. Do you know someone? Well, yeah, my sister just got married actually. The more specific you are, the easier it is for people to think of people to send your way. The more general you are, the harder it is. So there's nothing worse to a marketer or a net person who runs a networking organization then when you say, who's your target client and you say women, or you say anyone with skin, or you say basically any other statement that just alludes to the same statement. I work with everybody. Fog a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> I, I work with everybody. I can fog a mirror. I work, they can fog a mirror. I can work with them. That, <laughs> that is the least specific and the least helpful. Even when you say women business owners, again, not specific. So the more specific you can get, the easier it is. So I will give one little key. When you're asking for those referrals, think about describing your past clients. So pick one or two scenarios, one or two specific case studies of what your clients, the clients you've worked with, what they looked like before you worked with them, Mm. what they looked like after you worked with them. And what are some of those key factors from the outside that somebody would need to see in order to say, aha, I know somebody just like that person. Hmm. So that's a key way of asking for great referrals in a way that helps you think you're always going to have different clients to describe. And that's always going to help your power partners think of somebody new to send your way. Yeah. And one of the other things that we kind of didn't touch on, but I know that you're a big advocate about is that not everything comes into the form of a referral, right? It's all about opportunity and looking at, because a referral might not necessarily be a person who's ready to buy, but it could be someone who could provide an opportunity. Um, What are some other things that, that how, what are the other ways that these opportunities present themselves when you're networking? Yeah. 
So, I mean, things like you start talking to someone and you realize, oh my gosh, you're a realtor in a different state on the other side of the country. And I'm facing this problem right now in my business. This is what I'm dealing with. And that other person says, oh, here's, I faced that before. Here's what I did. Mm. And it gives you this idea where you wouldn't have ever thought of that. So masterminding those challenges in business can be a huge outcome of building a strong power partnership. Or you find that, you know, as I've found in the past, I was a marketing coach that really focused on getting my clients the foundation that they needed, but I didn't do any of the implementation of that. So I had really strong power partnerships Mm. that were built with other experts that I could say, okay, you know, go over here and do this portion of the the process with this person. And then you'll come back over to me and we'll weave, we'll weave you back in. Um, That wasn't exactly the example I wanted to give, but you know, it works. It was popped into my brain. Well, and sometimes those are also opportunities to actually create a higher value product or program. That's what I, okay. yes, that's actually <laughs> what I wanted to say. And it just came out the other way, but, but it can also happen that way because yeah. you could have the same ideal client. And I love, you talked about this, which is you have an ideal client who's working with that same ideal client before you and who's working with that same ideal client after you. Because it works both ways because the person after you might meet that person and be like, Ooh, you're not ready for me yet. Actually go see Megan. And that person who's like, Hey, you're finished with me. You're graduating. Congratulations. Actually now you're ready for Megan Um, because that recommendation is so powerful. It will, it's word of mouth marketing and it's the marketing that you can't buy. It's relationship marketing too. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. And so, yeah. in the example that we were trying to come up with, it's basically like you're strong in what one area and I'm strong in another, let's come together and let's create a workshop series or let's create an online product that we can sell together, or let's create, you know, something else along those lines that can be actually recurring income for our business, or let's create a marketing membership or a marketing and branding membership where, you know, we can work together on something and deliver this service that's Mm -hmm. more superior than what we could do on our own. So there's so many different options for collaboration. It's about really having that open mind as to like, gosh, what could we create? We're so great together. We love each other. We're, I mean, you might not use that word. I do, but we just really enjoy each other. And we we're so aligned in our strategies and our processes and the way we do things. What could we co-create? And that kind of brings us all the way back to the beginning of being in that place of power and empowerment which is really fed by this source, this energy of creativity. Um, And when you're able to bring other people together and tying in that reciprocity kind of law of human nature, at least of the good people, (laughs) right? Like, even if you help that other person, it will come back, maybe not from them, because I know that's one of the things you say, which is, even if you're not getting, if you're giving referrals, let's say, and you're not receiving them back from that person, it comes back in some other way, either yeah. through an open door, an open window, or some other opportunity that really helps, you know, continue to grow your business. That's a segment, a sub-segment of that fearless collaboration. Mm. Giving without expecting intimate, um, immediate or intimate, but immediate reciprocation. Right. You really well, got to give without expecting. That's how you prospect and do lead generation online, right? It's, you cannot be attached to the outcome because then when you are, when you have an outcome in mind, one, you narrow down your vision and two, you're coming from a place of lack instead of being from that empowered place of abundance. I really think this, let me just say this one part, because I think it's important. Like when I was earlier on in business, I felt this need to, and I'm sure you experienced this or have clients that have experienced this 
this need to take any lead that came to you, right? Mm-hmm. It was this like sense of desperation. Like I've got to get, I, well, I don't, everyone really do has that. chased the dollar. <laughs> yeah, I don't really do that thing, but I can figure it out. Like, I don't really know Twitter, but I'll, I'll figure it out. I remember that doing that back in like 2010. I don't really know how Twitter works, but I'm going to teach this workshop and I'm going to figure it out. And once I finally let go of that, because I'd reached mm-hmm. over six figures and I learned and I, I knew intuitively that to get to seven figures, I wasn't going to be able to do it the way that I got to six. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is holding on to everything, holding on to doing all of the things, the more you can specialize, the faster you can get to that next level. So I let go of needing to be all things to all people. And I started saying, awesome. I'm happy to find you the right person in marketing. I am not that person, but I've got these six other people that I think could be, no, I wouldn't tell them six people. That's a lot of people, but two, here's two people that I think could be great fits for you. And I really, I would pass out clients all the time because I knew they weren't a good fit for me. Mm. That was that abundance mentality coming in. And that's what the dames purports. That's what we teach. If you're desperate for leads, don't join the dames. If you're at a space where you're abundant and you're willing to be abundant with others, and not only with what we've been talking about today, but sharing your story, sharing what's going on in your world, supporting each other. We've had women in the dames who've gotten through breast cancer through the dames. You know, we've had them go through massive embezzlements in their businesses through the dames. We've had them share their most, you know, shameful guilt ridden things. And we can be there to support you because we're at the same stage and we get it. And we're the people who want to listen and help. So. Yes, it's that a rising tide lifts all all show, all boats, ships, boats, yep. whatever. Um, but you want to make sure that you're in the right ocean, right? Because there's yes. the Pacific and the Atlantic and, you know, the Red Sea and all that stuff. So, you know, check your buoyancy and figure out which thing you want to be a part of. So, Megan, how can people learn a little bit more about you? This is such a bad joke. I think we should collaborate on creating some kind of a seafarer product. Right? You know? like it's We're all so knowledgeable. Buoyancy. I, you know, just pull that one out. <laughs> of you, it just comes out. Just a creative uh, state that we're creating. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So people can get in touch with us. The best way to experience the dames, if you're a woman running a six or seven figure business or a woman in a director VP or higher position in a large corporation is to please come check us out at our round tables. Those are free, hilariously fun high caliber events where you are surrounded by your peers and you get to experience what the dames is. And you can check that out at the dames.co forward slash round table. And if you're just somebody who likes to, you know, see posts about whales or uh, let's see sobriety. Oh my God, it's happening. Like the whales, I like had it connected it. (laughs) There you go. If you want to know almost anything about whales, I can probably tell you because I'm a little, uh, OCD about whales. I OCD is not the right word, but whatever. I love whales. So <clears throat> that should be our next show segment. Cat is talking about all the things that we're obsessed about you anyway, know, but that's what it takes. Yeah, right? exactly. That, that's, that's integrity. That's business. If you don't have that passion and that obsession, we talked about OCD and ADHD as being some of the key components of the most successful entrepreneurs. This is we should do like pre-show recordings. I know, um, we <laughs> I think this is how we get to this. Um, so the that um, URL is definitely going to be in the show notes. So guys, make sure you check yes. it out. Um, it's, you know, I saw huge value because again, 
full caveat, I'm a dame as well. Um, and am a part of this and just really believe that this is a high caliber group of women who are really trying to drive positive impact in the world and who are looking to raise each other up um, with whatever resources and support that they can provide. So everybody has something of value to contribute. Megan, any parting words or uh, I'm going to do it again. I don't have a thesaurus or words of wisdom that you would like to share. I was just going to say, if they, if anybody wants to connect with me about whales or anything else, you can find me at Megan Conter at almost the, all the different social profiles too. So please connect with me there. Just tell them that you met me through cat and uh, I'll, I'll accept your requests. <laughs> um, but let's see, here are a few things I would say, you know, we all have such bright lights inside of us. And I think that what is the worst thing for us to do is to not figure out what that light is and let it shine. Mm. It's like, we're all, so many people are walking around with these dark cloaks on that aren't letting our lights shine through. And I think that the fear of visibility and the fear of being seen is killing so many women. Mm. I really feel like that dimming that light is the worst thing that you could possibly do. So allowing yourself to really take the time to figure out who you are and what you love most about yourself and start letting that light shine more and more and more and do whatever you need to do to let it shine through. For me, that's connecting people. For me, that's connecting in general. And it just is what really allows my light to come through most and easiest. So figure out what that is for you and don't for one second think that you can't have a successful kick-ass business right around that thing because you can't beautifully said. And as part of, you know, sharing that light, find that community that really helps you do it in a way that feels empowering. Um, and check out the dames. If it's something that you're wanting in terms of, you know, again, women who are really driving forward and making positive change, people who are those, you know, uh, different variations of woo in terms of, of, you know, there's some people and then there's other that light and heavy, (laughs) Um, but also really looking at those women who are making that positive change, that integrity. Um, and it's really just, I guess there's so many words I can't even come around with all of them, but it's people who've been there, done that, and who want to actively share those experiences with other people, because we do want to make sure that you get results faster. And so if there's something that we know that's going to help you get that result, then have the information to be able to do it. So Megan. Thank you again so much for joining us today. It is I who thanks you for one of the most fun podcast interviews I've ever done. You are extraordinary and I just love your energy and everything about you. So thank you, Kat. Thank you.